Okay, ready? Yes, I keep saying hi. Hi, we're gonna fake jollity as long as possible. Hi, welcome. This is this is for the girls podcast. I am Nick Westrate, and I for sure am still Jason Black. For sure, we are coming at you just hot on the mic. This is our first in isolation episode, full episode in isolation, isn't it, Jay? I mean, come on, uh, you know, who knew that the one thing you could still do forever is podcasts? Listen, we can still do yeah. it. We can still do yeah. it. We're here. Do you here. know how many, we, we used to have a We're joke, ready. Um, we are, we are a, uh, sorry, real quick. We are a queer podcast <laughs> about diva worship. If this is your first time, welcome. This is a place where we just stay positive about iconic female performers, also known as divas. Yeah, this, this is a place where we just honor the people in our lives that we have absolutely um, enjoyed. And those are women and not men because men fucking suck. Absolutely. This is a podcast for troubled children. This is a podcast for people who want it for free. This is a podcast for all you ladies of the canyon. This is a podcast (laughs) for people who are waiting for their lover to come up a hill in a car and go to freaking Bangtown. Oh, that song is so sexy. (laughs) This is a podcast for little greens. All you little greens out there. Um, So, okay. Duh. Did we we hide it good enough? Did you not see on the the header of this (laughs) episode what what we're we're talking about? We're fucking doing my goddess. My goddess of... Dream, Joni Mitchell, and we're doing her iconic album, Court and Spark. I was thinking about, like, in the pantheon of divas. We always say that, like, on the Mount Rushmore of divas, like, Aretha mm-hmm. is the diva supreme. But Joni is the diva of wisdom, the goddess of wisdom. She holds all the inner secrets of the universe. Well, I think also we think Diva capital D, and we do. We think, you know, Celine Dion. We think Mariah Carey. We mm-hmm. think, obviously, Aretha. We think Madonna. Those are, like, cl- those classic divas. But if we're talking music, music-wise, music yeah. like, the most, to me, one of the most iconic, most influential female uh, performers of the last decade was Joni Mitchell. and honestly, More than the last decade, I mean, of the last century. No, no, the last decade, like, um, you know. <laughs> like since 2010, like, she hasn't... like rec- 10 years ago, my girl. <laughs> my do, she was, she was an unknown artist. <laughs> and then she just, blam, a decade ago, that she made an baby. album called Shine, that they sold at Starbucks, and then just blam, <laughs> blam, blam. Oh, that was, that was a good Starbucks time. That was when they when Starbucks was selling like everything. It was um, when it was Nora Jones Town. Oh, Nora Jones Town. We were were we trying? We've been trying to do a Nora Jones. We, we get were we're, we're we're gonna fuck with Nora Jones at some point because Nora Jones for sure got me through college. Nora Jones is also a huge Joni Mitchell stand. She got you through high school too. I feel like you would come back. We would like drive oh, around in your car, yeah. Mona. Really blasting that iconic, that iconic um, "Come Away with Me" album. For I think for me, honestly, I so I, I you know Nick and I always say it's Bet and it's Whitney, and that's still true. But it's actually for me, I think it would be Bet Whitney, and then honestly Joni. Mm-hmm. At the amount of time that I've spent listening to her, consuming her, um, her music, thinking about her, just Joni 
once I found Joni, it was like, oh, f- oh, this is this is my person. This is this is kind of my holy grail. And she's so mysterious and poetic that I always feel like I'm constantly unpacking her music and rediscovering it. Yeah. Um, it's deep and hard and mysterious. And like when I found it when I was young, I it was that my first it's weird. The first album I actually had or listened to was Turbulent Indigo. Right. Which because my sister had it, which is how I got all my music props to Molly for, you know, she had the Turbulent Indigo. Mm, I can't remember if she had it on cassette or CD, but that picture of Joni Mitchell kind of like as a ghost Van Gogh painting. Mm-hmm. You know, she does. She does. Joni Mitchell does all of her own cover. She's art. a painter who sings, she says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, I heard her say um something, um this like kind of catty interview. um and he was doing it in her house, and she, he was like, why don't you listen to your own music? And she was essentially like, uh, because I just hear all the imperfections. And he's like, but you have your work all over your house. And she's like, yeah, I know, but those are perfect. Yeah, well, I was just listening to an interview with her um, from NPR from like 2014, and she said that she sings about her despair, and she paints about her joy. Oh, I love that. And she doesn't like to paint sad things. She like paints. She was like, I've been painting my my former lover because he was very, you know, he sat for me very well. And I painted my grandson because he's important to me and they bring me joy. And I just also, if any so of you watch her, like Joni interviews where she's able to do it, she is going to be a full chain smoking those yellow mm. American spirits. Mm. Like, yes, ma'am. Mama. Mama does not want to talk to you without a ciggy in her mouth. No, she and she never gave up smoking, and I, I, she's so iconic because I am someone who deeply wishes they could smoke. I actually keep saying to Billy, like, can I start smoking again? Because I always said, like, when they tell me the nuclear missiles have been fired off on the world, I'm just going to go first thing buy a pack of cigarettes. And I've been feeling vaguely apocalyptic around here, and so I'm like, when do Why, I get babe? to start smoking? What's going on? Anything new? <laughs> What's happening? Wait, wait, wait. Do I not know what happened? Bad week? What? What? Bad what? Week? I'm over here just freaking We're just surfing. In, we're I'm just in California like, surfing. Really starting week three of this hot quarantine. <laughs> this. Also, I keep, I like just did a stop a minute ago while recording because of the sirens. But I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going to hear sirens because all I hear, it's so sad. Really? It's so scary all day and it's all so night. Scary. It's fucking sirens in New York City. It's just like the ambulances don't stop, can't stop. Also, just like, let's just say, hope everyone's staying safe and taking this social isolation seriously and um, just um, taking good care of yourself and listening to our back catalog mostly and writing us reviews because <laughs> you have the time and you have the energy to go to iTunes, write us a review, listen to an old episode, just download episodes for fun. They're, they're giving out uh, free data right now. We, I, you know, I don't know what to say. I mean, I think the only thing I can ever think of is we just have to get through. Yeah. We have to get through. Like, you know, that's the hardest part is just figuring out what this, I was talking to a friend and um, she was talking to me about how she has a, a, a daughter who's eight and just adores school and she can't go to school. And so it's really struggling. And then, and then Lauren or my friend, that's Lauren. Hi, Lauren. She's talking about how she sees all these mommies doing all these activities and, and you know, <laughs> all of this time. And she's like, well, what should I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel bad. I don't know what to do. And I said, you need to not stop feeling bad because no one knows what to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's okay to not know what to do right now. It's also just, okay to feel bad. 
and it's okay. You said something. I feel like, did you tweet that? Or how did I see this? You were like, why Why do the weekends feel worse? Yeah, right? the weekends do feel worse. I grabbed they, that the other day. Yeesh, they do. There's something about waking up on a Saturday when it means nothing. <laughs> I mean, I, I also keep joking that I'm used to this because I have long bouts of unemployment. Where I have to try to, like, make my life seem to have meaning while I audition and wait between jobs. And that worked cute for, like, the first 10 days. And then I was like, oh, I still can't go outside, really. Like, going outside, I still find really stressful. Going to the supermarket is really stressful. And all in New York City, where I am, like, all the deliveries are like, no, ma'am. No, ma'am, no, ma'am. Fresh Direct is like, absolutely not. There's no room for you. You had to have ordered this, like, two weeks ago. So I just find yeah, it Yeah, if all... you want your, like, one can of beans, it'll come in August. So. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, there are other delivery services that are working, and I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, there will be more. But, yeah, it's super stressful even to go outside. But huge props to all of our moms. Like, my friends with kids don't know how you're doing it. Oh, Lord. I don't know how you're doing it. My friend Miriam Silverman, like, has the cutest two children on Earth, and she is also, like, volunteering and teaching, like free Skype yoga kids classes to people and free like theater games classes for moms and dads to like put their kids in front of Skype and learn a thing. And I just admire the fuck out of parents right now because have you been getting on, um, uh, celebrities doing like free concerts? I have done one. I've I haven't. Done one. Which one did you do? <laughs> I done one. Diva news. Jihad. Jihad did a concert. She did, like, an hour-long concert, and she does All in Love is Fair and slams Ooh. it. And, like, she's like, I haven't really rehearsed. She definitely has a piano player in the back, so I don't know where he came from. Um, <laughs> Jay Hud, we hope you're social distancing, girl. I think she, she seems to be keeping a good distance from him. Okay, and, good. Um, good job. She, she does memory, and, and, like, she's like, we never rehearse, but it's she's just... Uh, it's like, it was actually really everything. So that made me, yeah... I, I did I did that, but I think there's a lot. Miley Cyrus now has her own talk show. I mean, you, we're really going to get these. Wow. Just... There's so much. I mean, there's so much content. It's hard to keep up. And we're really grateful for all of you who choose our content to listen to. Oh, so we have an announcement to, to make, too. Oh, yes, we do. Something exciting. Book club's back. Sure, yeah, classic book club. Okay, so this one's shorter than Little Women, so yes, y'all should way be way shorter. And actually, you know, I've had such, I've had a lot of trouble concentrating during all oh, of this. It's been it's really hard worst. for me to get through my books, but this book I've been flying through. We are reading Battle Angels all together. Little fires Little everywhere. Fires everywhere. Yes, and it's a. I think it's going to be. It's like a kind of um. Nick described it as kind of like a beach read, and it is kind. It just mm-hmm. kind of. It's not like um. It's kind of like that. So so I think like. It's not like a heavy sit through. I think it's a nice, nice distraction. It is. It is. And it's story, 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 plot, plot, great characters. I'm already 200 pages in. So we're delaying watching the TV series on Hulu with our girl, Laura Jean Poon, also known as Reese Witherspoon, and our girl, Carrie Washington, also known Giving as you hairstyles for Olivia days. Pope. So we're going to delay watching that, but then we're going to do a binge of it. And then we're going to do an episode that's book club and. It'll coincide around the time the show airs its last episode. Yeah, so if you all want to get on, on that bandwagon and that uh, that ride, that could be fun for all of us to kind of do as a communal yes. uh, Battle Angel experience. Battle Angel Book Club. And um, why don't you also uh, see if I'm going to put another little challenge to you called 
buy a copy of this book from someone other than Amazon. I can recommend The Strand or McNally Jackson or uh, eBay. Yeah, you can get a used copy on eBay. I first bought, unfortunately, my copy, a digital copy on eBay, and I didn't even mean to. So cool. I now have the a PD. No, not really. I, I spent wow. $3 on a That's by accident. Cool. That's pretty cool. I got a PDF on your phone. Yeah, all I want to do is read a book on my phone right now. You could read it on your computer, um, babe. Yeah, I, I don't want to be away from screens. I think this is. Yeah. I think we actually we were so anxious and we all want to be kind of obsessed with like the next thing and essentially hoping that someone will tell us it's going to be over. But I think we need to take that break and really honor ourselves and take some time and just just open just open up a book and just kind of allow yourself to live in a different world. And so that's what we're doing. And I think that could be really fun if you all yeah. do that with us. And we can't wait. And it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Hey, here <laughs> we go. Yeah. Our first live, our first kind of in the moment, quarantine. In the moment, quarantine episode. Quarantine um, <laughs> <laughs> What did you tell Billy about me? About how I would do? Oh, I was reminiscing with, um, because the other day, stupid, stupid president, monster said that he was going to quarantine new york city and we panicked and we turned into jason jason has always said that in the end times he was going to become the baroness of vodka and he would buy all the vodka so that he could barter with people he would give out vodka for money or sexual favors and billy and i turned into the true baronesses of vodka and just started going around buying vodka because we just thought oh we're not going to be able to i don't know go to the grocery store um that's not true don't hoard things like don't I hoard things vodka. and i honestly i'm not going to be um the baron i, I was going to be we actually the title was a benevolent baroness of vodka <laughs> so i was going to be the nice vodka i just um, see you dressed like the baroness from sound of music yeah, well, so it turns out I'm not going to do that, actually. Um, I'm, I actually just got a really cool um, kind of live-work situation in Florida uh, at this, like, big cat rescue. So I'm really excited. Um, <laughs> yes, that I, is I, something that quarantine has brought us is the great diva of the quarantine, Carol Baskin. <laughs> I've been Skyping with Carol. And... Oh, man, I would love to get on a virtual happy hour with Carol Baskin. Yo, you know what? I do want one of those shirts, though. Give me one of those shirts. Like, you I can't have believe, to, like, you, do you know how many hours you have to fucking work for free at Big Cat Rescue to get a shirt? Like 700. 700 hours. 10 years. <laughs> and then you get I, a green t-shirt. We'll find out. I'm going there. I'm going to. I'm, mama's, mama's moving up in her careers, babies. Not financially, but personally. That's how, that's how I do. It's um, a personal jump up. Okay, here okay. we go, kid. Here we go, kitty, kittens, kitty, kitty, kitty cats kittens. and kitty cubs, kitty cats, kitty cubs. God, that's a dark show. Oof. oof. Um, I finished it last night, and oh, I get oof. Yeah. Oh, everything. But this is, but this is my light. So okay, we're we're coming at you. And we're doing corn spark. This album, y'all. So Nick, you 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 started with uh, as we all as all origins go with your sister's CD. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, with Turbulent Indigo. And then when I later I got to Blue and then Miles of Isles was really my big Joni awakening, which is kind of it's not like really a greatest hits. It's like a greatest hits. And it's a live album from right after she recorded Court and Spark, actually. She did it at the um, amphitheater in LA and 
it's a two disc album and I had that in high late high school and college and it was like my CD go to everything in life. I would listen to it over and over and over and over and over. So I sometimes uh, it's hard for me to remember which songs are from which actual Joni albums because right. I only really think of that one. It's kind of like Experience the Divine was for me for a long time. Oh my gosh, that's so true. I don't I I, I think I I think it was in high school. I'm pretty sure it was in high school in Interlochen, our art alma mater, boarding school alma mater. And I'm pretty sure, like, one of my girlfriends burned blue for me. Mm. And I, uh, I got hip on that, and I loved it, obviously. I thought it was amazing. And then I think I got, I think then the next album I got was Ladies of the Canyon. Because mm. um, do, do you remember this, girl? Uh, Nick used to go to a camp. I only did it one year called... Camp Tanaduna. Yeah, summer camp at Camp Tanaduna, of course. And they put, and I was first introduced to the Circle Game. Oh yeah, they loved that song up there. And the, and I didn't know until I had gotten this album that that was a Joni original. I was like, oh, I thought it was just like a classic folk song. It's I love that song. Well, anyway, because so a I, bunch of people recorded that. That was one of her first songs that she mm-hmm. sold before mm-hmm. she start before she recorded um, Seagull, the, her first album, Song of a Seagull. She had sold it like Buffy St. Marie recorded that and Buffy St. Marie was one of the first people who really like helped her get her own solo career as a performer started too. Absolutely. Um and 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 then and so the circle game that song was on Ladies of the Canyon and I it was kind of a magical bonding experience with my mom. I would put that CD on when we would do long drives and we would Aww. sing it together. She I was singing it as as coming to it and I could just see her kind of going back into her time in the 60s and re yeah. and 70s and and reliving that that album and so that was kind of one of the first times I ever had that experience of like touching on my mother's uh, musical past and mine and it kind of coming together and it was amazing. So of course I loved her, I loved her and then I don't even, I think it might have been my senior, after my senior year of high school, I found Court and Spark Mm. probably at a good old Barnes and Nobles. And so I remember that going there and uh, kind of shuffling through the Joni Mitchells. And I got Court and Spark and the instant I put it on I thought, oh my goddess, this is, this is it. I am, I am not one of those basic girls that like blue. I am a true artist mm-hmm. who love Court and Spark. I mean, I really thought like, oh, I've, I've uncovered this. You know, this was before looking anything up. Yeah, I mean, way before that. And so I was like, oh, I found, I mean, I, we had the internet. Okay. I just didn't do it. Um, but I thought I was special. I really thought I was special. I thought I had bonded with this really unique, beautiful album. Um, comes to find out that this is her most uh, popular album this is her yeah. only true pop album her too. true so, hit so i was so it actually kind of backfired on me i was like oh no i'm just basic <laughs> i just have like an actual basic simple taste and her, right um more it's eccentric. not like you it's not like you like chalk mark in a rainstorm i actually do um <laughs> i like that album I actually too. i like all of them i you know and 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 i i, I like i i actually the one after this is it's such such a beautiful album the hissing of summer lawns but this is her most accessible kind of um a beautiful uh pop confection the only one she's the only one she ever really uh did right after this album she veered right into jazz and kind of stayed in, in that lane until kind of the mainstream just kind of left her alone yeah and you can kind of so, hear yeah. those little hints of her jazz interest starting on this album. Absolutely. This is also her most awards-heavy album. Like, she was nominated for four uh, Grammys for this, including Album of the Year. 
and uh, she won a Grammy for vocal arranging. Um, for Down to You, our favorite song. For, for, for Down to You. And she was backed up by a band called LA Express, who she then went on tour with. And they performed in Miles of Isles with her, which happened right after Court and Spark. Court and Spark is also her, what, sixth record? Yeah, and this is, um, and she also had like um, um, Robbie Robinson from the band mm-hmm. on, playing on there. And uh, actually Cheech and Chong show up at the very end on Twisted, which is mm-hmm. kind of hilarious. So before all of this, everyone kind of knew her as this singing chanteuse. I think it was really actually, I think they used it to actually bring her down by calling her a confessional singer. She was this kind of hard-on-your-seat-sleeve woman confessional singer, as if people like Bob Dylan and Neil Young weren't just wobbling about their fears and love lives and Mm -hmm. drama. Please. But that's kind of the box that she was kind of put in, and especially with Blue. Um, Yeah. I read this really great quote from her about, you know, the period between Blue and For the Roses, and she said, At that period of my life, I had no personal defenses. I felt like a cellophane wrapper on a pack of cigarettes. I felt like I had absolutely no secrets from the world, and I couldn't pretend in my life to be strong. Mm. Which is mm. kind of amazing. From sixty-eight to seventy-two, the For the Roses, she was released. She was Rihanna of the of the <laughs> yes, of that decade, of the folk world. Yes, of the folk world. She was releasing an album every year, and so this was kind of a big kind of where, what happened to Joni Mitchell. Because she took a year, she 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 took a year off. My mm-hmm. gosh, to do Court and Spark. Okay, so we're getting into it. So Nick and I've been listening to this album kind of as like a life force for us for this past week. I listen to this album all of the time, but kind of really trying to be a little bit more critical of it. The first six songs in when I listen to it, when I'm done after the sixth song, it sounds like one whole thing. Yes, absolutely. Yes, she kind of bleeds into each song so effortlessly. I feel like the whole thing is a story until Twisted. I feel like there's one story that's happening. Like there's a continuous narrative, both lyrically and musically, Mm -hmm. through the whole record. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just want to talk about these opening chords, this piano beginning of Court and Spark. It sets up these musical motifs that are going to be going through the rest of the album. And it starts with just Joni and a piano. Love came to my door with a sleeping roll And the madman's soul, he thought for sure I'd seen him Dancing up a river in the dark Looking for a woman to court and change when something strange happened glory train passed through him so he buried the coins he made in people's park and we're looking for a woman to court and spark it seemed like he read my mind he saw me mistrusting and
the guilty people they said they've all seen the stain on their daily bread on their christian names i cleared myself i sacrificed my blues and you could complete me i'd complete you does that not that is such even before I knew what the hell I was doing in, at 19, I felt like such the grooviest chick in the world. I was dri- when I when I had this album, I was driving to my shitty job at my grandma's restaurant called Porky's Party Place, <laughs> and I would smoke a little bowl on my way there to go and work at the restaurant and stock the fridge. It was a real it, oh, it was a real low job, um, but I would listen to this album, and it was in the summer, and I just felt like. I was in like some seventies Cali princess, like mm. sexy, groovy, and this song sets it off for me. She has such a sense of place. You know, it's not until the end of the song that we realize we're in LA, City of the Fallen Angels. We're but actually not. Are we not? Where are we? We are in Berkeley. Oh, we're in Berkeley. People's he... Park is in Berkeley. Oh, People's Park. But in he wants yeah. so she meets him. This busker, you know, tell me, yeah, she meets this busker, which is so great because she herself was a busker and she also writes about being a busker like in for free. free. I think this is the, this is the bookend of it. This is kind of, I think a lot of this also deals with kind of the fallout of the hippie sixties. Yeah. I think like the kind of um, aspirational things have kind of turned into this. So yes, you're right. Exactly. It's about a busker and essentially Joni Um, while she was in Berkeley, met this busker who was trying to get some coins and he saw her and he said, you have written a lot of songs for me and I need them from you. Mm. He was convinced that Joni had done this for him. Wow. And so she wrote, so this was, this was kind of, she just kind of twisted it and made it this kind of sensual, romantic kind of fan fiction story. Yeah. And that's why she says, actually, I have to go back to L.A. Like, actually, I I can't kind of do this, like, strange hippie dance with you. She, like, places tie her so much. Like, I even think of River and I think of, like, in um, Hygiera, like, that's, like, so many travel songs. There's so many songs about Mm -hmm. a place owning her or trying to get... Or even, and of course, California, like the yearning for a place or being tied to place. That's what I love about the end of that song. Oh, yeah. His eyes were the color of the sand in the sea. And the more he talked to me, you know, the more he reached me. But I couldn't let go of L.A., city of the fallen And I also think that yeah, she really she really places it so strongly, like she places mm-hmm. the narrative in a, in a uh, so strongly in kind of like and, and she paints the picture, she paints the picture for like your mind's eye. And I also think it's about people wanting to constantly take things from her and demand things from her. Mm. I love that line. Um, They've all seen the stain on their daily bread, on their Christian names. I cleared myself. I sacrificed my blues. And you could complete me. I'd complete you. If a man was to tell me that, my panties would drop so hard. Mm -hmm. But I would also think he's insane and I'm about ready to get into a really toxic relationship. Yeah, and that's and that's the <laughs> and that's the fucking start of it because then what happens next? Like oh, she starts she starts falling and she knows it's gonna be <laughs> fucking scary. Yes. Help me, I think 
that song and that's so that's like what the studio wanted to be her big hit they were like please write a hit we need a hit like let's put something on the radio and this was the song and it was her only top 10 hit mm-hmm. in her whole mm-hmm. career i mm-hmm. love that it starts with that classic Joni strumming it's so interesting you just said bookends because now i'm thinking of this whole thing as the bookends of these six albums being um you know, a whole like a catalog together, and it's true. There is like a bookend feeling because it's got that Carrie strum at the beginning. You know, it does, and it also she's she's starting and and she's also starting to incorporate like it's not a, this isn't a minimal album at all because she does start incorporating jazz elements and piano. Yeah, um, like yeah, like that saxophone, those falling, those falling saxophone notes, like falling in love again. You know. but all of these songs are pretty complicated and they all kind of live in a liminal space it's it's, it's not nothing's ever nothing's pure do you mm-hmm. know what i mean like it's it's all so complicated it's good and it's bad and it's again in this song she again is dealing with the kind of fallout of the of the hippie generation where she's like you know you love me but not like you love your freedom yeah and we and we both love our freedom like that idea like are we going to just be us like and at the end when they're flirting around flirting around you know they're still caught in this free love thing also like to to, 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 to say like help me like help me i think i'm falling in love this my pattern of this isn't good like it's it's not i don't have a success rate so help me this crazy feelings happening Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's that there's that like struggle between that you know it's going to become this possessive thing and this desire to own one another but you also love your freedom it's that that tension help me i think i'm falling in love with you are you gonna let me go there by myself that's such a lonely thing to do both of us flirting around flirting and flirting hurting too Like we love our freedom. <sighs> I relate. I mean, I don't relate to the falling in love. I used to relate to loving my freedom, but like, I don't know. You. Oh, this is the other thing you told Billy when I asked, like, what did you say? You told Billy that Jason's good at self-quarantine. I used to be really good at it. Um, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I could do a whole bunch of nothing for a really long time and not be upset, not feel shame, not feel guilty. Um, 
But damn, once they force that upon you, you just start feeling all kinds of icky feelings. So <laughs> I, I know don't know how much a... I love my feel, my freedom anymore. <laughs> when it's no, you do love your freedom. You, I love. I realize oh, how much I love my freedom to go out. Freedom to go outside. Right. Right. Fuck. I, I guess I thought of my freedom as I, I do whatever I want and that's nothing. So that's how I created my freedom. But Also, the other quote from this song that is fucking living for me is hoping about the future and worrying about the past. You know, oh. Oh. that's not where we all are. This album is going to get y'all through this time of trouble. It's also going to... It's also... Oh, it's so funny. I had a dream last night that I was... L- living in Paris with Princess Diana. Duh. <laughs> which I was actually really fun. And I was like half her roommate and half her like guard against people who wanted her autograph. Oh, that so sounds it so was, nice. It was a real gay diva fantasy. Have also, you been having these fun dreams? Just last night. Okay. <laughs> I pulled my hamstring, so I've been taking a lot of Advil PM. And let me tell you, that shit will let you fly, honey children. Oh, honey children. I, yeah. Does it, does it do that? Uh, my friend and I always call NyQuil the devil's juice because <laughs> it, it'll get you good until it doesn't. Um, no, I'm, which finding, is like, I'm finding a real love with my Advil PMs. Oh, wow. I've never done Advil PMs, but I, I, I do, do used to do NyQuil. And it's like five hours, and then all of a sudden, it's like you have to like pull yourself out of cobwebs and where am I? Fuck where? And then you're just in full panic. So like, I actually like so like it does something at like 3 a.m that i'm always like this shouldn't be right I'm giving you that um, 448 psychosis well i'm glad you had that princess diana dream that is fabulous well it also makes me think about i was last night in my dream i was a fucking free man in paris let me tell you i was walking around i was enjoying the champs de it was fabulous Oh, here we get into this. Don't you think Diana was like a Joni stan? She totally was. Absolutely. Totally I mean, was. Diana, I know this from seeing Diana the Musical. Shout out to my girl, Ro <laughs> Hartramp, who is starring as Prince Charles whenever Broadway opens again. But she was a huge, I learned from Diana the Musical, she was a huge Prince fan, actually. Oh, well, segue. Do you know what this mean? Do you know what that segue is that you just gave me perfectly? What? Do you know who Prince is? He considers the, one of his number one influences is Miss Joni Mitchell. Yeah, he made a tribute album to her. He's obsessed with mm-hmm. Joni Mitchell. Yeah. And because Joni had, um, she had polio when she was a kid. She was from Canada, y'all. I don't think we mentioned that. She was a, mm-hmm. She's Canadian. And um, so because of that, she 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 has a very unique style of playing her guitar. I think it's like equivalent to the way that you would play like a side side guitar. Uh, y'all, I try to look this up and I fucking have no idea what the terminology no, it's, was. It's her she she has really unique tunings of the guitar because yeah. of how she had to play because of her polio. Yeah. And well, but it's because of the way she plays it that's so complicated that most people can't actually replicate it. And I think that's why Prince was so enamored by how kind of how special and how in depth her music was and really mm-hmm. kind of encouraged her. So I think that's just amazing. Yep. And I think I bet Prince was a free man in Paris too. The way I see it, he said you just can't win it. Everybody's in it for their own gain. You can't please them all. There's always somebody calling you down. I do my best and I do good business. There's a lot of people asking for my time. They're trying to get ahead. They're trying to be a good friend of Calling me up for 
song and who is it about it's about david geffen uh david geffen who y'all do you remember who when we talked about david geffen do you girl remember when we talked about david geffen judy sill absolutely and we that talked about this song his, in that episode yes we did and that was one of his judy sill was one of his first artists kind of funny he started his so he's this like y'all he's this like bazillionaire mogul currently on some boat like on some like mancy yacht mm-hmm. right now, surviving the coronavirus. So good for you, David Geffen. He started a music label, um, I think in 1972, called Asylum, which is kind of funny yeah. for that this song. <laughs> so he started at Asylum, you know, obviously like right. a kind of crazy place that you can't escape. And that was the, the name of it. And then Joni was like, you know what? It doesn't sound like you want to be in an asylum anymore. And she went on a trip with David Geffen and um, actually Robbie... Robinson from the band and his wife, and they all went on a trip to Paris. And this is what she wrote about, about his experience, about kind of being so controlled by the music industry and finally coming to Paris and kind of being able just to breathe and not being having to have all of this like responsibility on his head and just to, to live and live not as a famous person. Supposedly, he hated this song. Oh, really? It's so, again, back to this bookend idea, it reminds me of that battle between art and commerce, like we had in For Free, you know, this idea Mm -hmm. of like, when are we doing it for, when are we doing it for the money and when are we doing it for the love? And it's, it's again, like you said, too, it's about people trying to get the best of him, people asking for things, people like needing something out of him. And when he was in Paris, he felt unfettered and alive. Like, people weren't begging. He didn't have to stoke the star make, star maker machinery, you know? It's also a little cutty. She's being cutty. Mm-hmm. Like, stoking the star maker machine behind right. the popular song, which she just... She was always kind of anti yeah. the popular song. She yeah. was always very anti-fame. Fa- uh, she once yeah. called it a glamorous misunderstanding. mm isn't that fabulous? It's, it's also fabulous that it comes right after the song that she was forced to make as a hit. Yeah, yeah. You so know, like it's like she just... negates it right away. Exactly. So oh. She's so contrary. I love that about her. I love how contrary she always is. She's not interested. She did not want to be loved or adored. She wanted to speak the truth. A rumor on this song was that she was also like slyly writing about this because David Geffen was a fagala and an undercover fagala mm-hmm. during uh, the seventies. So she, so she, so a lot of people had speculated that this is also kind of her an outing of him. Was, not an outing of him, but that he was free, that he was able to actually be him, his true self. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw this like really kind of J- Joni's a pill, and I absolutely love it. And so, and she doesn't do that many interviews. Yeah, so she was on um, this like CBS morning show in like 96 and they kind of tried to imply that this was about his sexuality she goes I didn't say anything about his sexuality on in the lyrics did I <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, you didn't
It's so it's so cool. It also like bleeds into the next song, um, "People's Parties," Perfectly. because there's so much. It so bleeds into it because it's all about that struggle in life. "People's Parties" is all about that struggle in life between the veneer we put up for people, our social faces, and our true selves. So this song, "People's Party," that we're gonna uh, get into right now is this was the first song that I remember what I what I heard. This was the first song in the album that my body started vibrating. You know, I was like nineteen, and it is so universal for anyone that's ever just been out mm-hmm. and been around people. I do not know anyone that has not had a version of this experience. And we might be all for we might all be forgetting that experience right now because what well, should we not be having parties? <laughs> Yeah, or gatherings. No. She's so happy, then she's crying on someone's knee, saying, laughing and crying, you know it's the same release. I told you I let you, I was crazy. Cry for a song, beauty. Cry for Eddie in the corner, thinking he's nobody. And Jack behind his joker and stone cold grace behind her fan. And me and my frightened silence, thinking I don't understand. I feel like I am sleeping. Sensibility. I'm just living on nerves and feelings with a weak and a lazy mind. And coming to people's parties, fumbling, deaf, dumb, and blind. I wish I had more sense of humor. Keeping the sadness at bay, throwing the lightness on these things, laughing at all the way. After after all of after each log, Nick and I just go ah, oh, oh. and so it's, this is Nick and Jason's lyric takedown hour where we <laughs> we're just gonna to read exactly the fucking lyrics. What the fuck this these lyrics the first, mean? This is the first song from this album I ever heard because this is the only one from this album she does in Miles of Isles. She doesn't do um Car on the Hill. No. Oh. The, you know that this is my song, girl. Because you, how do I feel about strangers? You do. You do not like, like say that. Like I'm like, hey, Nikki, I'm coming over, and I bring someone without telling you. That's like talk about like D Day. D Day Part Two. That would be Battle <laughs> at Normandy. I don't know yeah. if you ever saw the film Battle at Normandy, but that it's similar to when you bring uninvited guests to my house. I'll tell you, I've never seen that movie, but I love quoting <laughs> Battle at Normandy. <laughs> But no, I'm seriously, like when I saw the movie Mother, did you ever see Mother? 
Oh, was that just... Yes, I with, love Mother. With J-Law? Well, that was literally, like, Mother is like the movie about my internal social anxiety. Just her constantly, people coming into her kitchen and her screaming, that sink's not braced, is like me just being at a party. But Joni talking about this deep anxiety, her frightened silence and living on nerves and feelings... Also, the idea that you just everyone like I I just wish I had more sense of humor keeping the sadness at bay. Like do, mm-hmm. I think people always wish that they were just a little bit some. I'm, I never do because I'm always the most extra. <laughs> I, I could I could literally <laughs> you sit do and talk have to the a best plant. sense of humor. I have a great sense of humor. Okay, let me let me be real. Okay, <laughs> not right now. Oh, it's all gone. For, everything's gone for me. I'm not. I'm a shell. I'm a shell. But um, I I can talk and not talk for hours. I actually don't ever feel the need to do anything. Mostly, I do actually feel the need to leave because I'm just like uh, I want to lay down. But, um, but I do think you know I, I remember listening to this and thinking it's so sexy because the way that she's narrating it is she's at this kind of, in my mind, fabulous party that's also that she's giving, she's reading everyone in the room for being fake. But yeah. she's all, but she's trying to come at it being something more, but she's with someone who, and in my, in my mind, it was always a stud who like just kind of can capture the room and she's witnessing his ability to hold space and her inability uh, not to. Right. I always think, I think of the man in the song or the, the other that she's with as the same person throughout the whole thing. Like, I think of him as the same man in Court and Spark, the same man in Car on the Hill. Like, I, I feel like it's the same guy throughout. And uh, this is also when the voices in her head start. Like, there's a, a motif that we're going to see in lots of these songs coming up of these voices in her head. And it's literally Joni recording herself behind herself singing like at the end of the song, the laughing it all away, laughing it all away, laughing it all away, which then segues musically. I always think the next song, the same situation is the same song as, as people's parties, but it moves just from guitar into piano. But basically like there's this melding of music. It doesn't stop. Joni didn't really do much of this after this, and really even that much before this, but the beautiful choral arrangements on this album are so impactful and so perfect and hit the emotion right when you don't think you're ready to do it and hits at the line, keep saying, laughing it all away. Mm-hmm. Like that, that repetitive um, line. Oh, you, girl, you know, what, you know what I was thinking? What? Mama hasn't gotten a tattoo in a while, and I was thinking, like, what if laughing I Laughing it all like, away? Either laughing it all away or laughing and crying, you know it's the same release on my thigh. Mm, I love it. Like I mean, I think my thigh laughing I, and crying, you know, it's the same release was like when I heard that I was like mind fucking blown. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I think also to bring it back to bet, like that's always like bet's whole mission is to get laughter and tears like right next to each other and to use them to fuck with you. And I think that they are very, she and Joni like do it in different like Bet is obviously like a vaudevillian and Joni is a deep painter but I the, all of my favorite artists are kind of doing that the other line in here is I, I love I, I feel like I'm sleeping can you wake me do you know that feeling of just mm-hmm. being in a space like a zombie and not being pre- yeah not being yeah. present yes I do and then what do you do in that situation you go to the fucking bathroom which oh, is like yeah. musically what happens in this song. Like she literally is like, I can't do this. She has this laughing it all away thing. Like if I could only have a sense of humor, if I could only do that, she's like, has this, you know, those moments when you have something repeating over in your mind that you're not able to do. And you're like, I have to go to the bathroom. And she does that. And the music changes to piano. In, in the same situation for so many years. 
That song is so deep and complicated for me. I can't. Uh, those lines, you know, that she she goes into the bathroom, she's looking at herself, and then she sends sends up a prayer, but wondering where it had to go with the heaven with heaven full of astronauts and the Lord on death row. Like it's just. Ugh. So crazy! They, it's such a, it, it encapsulates that moment in time in the early seventies. It encapsulates, uh, you know, the modern struggle to find meaning uh, in science versus religion, and in the literal thought versus poetic thought. It's just so. Just she can just distill it into two little lines of a song. And I think it's also so interesting that she, you know, on in. in in verse four, at the at the last part of the song, uh, she when she sends up the prayer, she just sends it up for send me someone who's strong and somewhat sincere. Yeah, because I don't think she can even hope for for full sincerity. You know, this yeah. this guy's kind of like a womanizer. You know, he's just got a beautiful woman in his bathroom, and now he's telling me that he loves me, and I'm just like praying, like let this like let this love not be the same thing again and again. And she's still caught in this struggle at the very end of the song in the Nick and Jason read you lyrics hour. Yeah, we do. Um, she's caught in the struggle between, or she <laughs> wants, between higher achievement and her search for love. And those things are in a struggle. It's the same thing that we're talking about in Free Man in Paris or for free. This idea of like, I want to achieve something, but I also want to be loved and be myself 
and that those things are in opposition. Is and again, so people's parties. She's at a party, yeah. and it's supposed to be fun, but everyone seems fake. But she still wants to be herself. But she's with some, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's all of these this tension that just keeps like butting heads with what the narrator wants and what's actually happening to uh, to their lives. Okay, but we got to get through this album because we're just we're just going. Okay, so then <laughs> we don't got she, anything else to do. We don't fucking have. Neither do you. Listening to this, if you're already an hour in. So next, she like dives in my mind that this is all the same one story. She like dives deep into just <laughs> I would say the sexy, sexy component of this relationship in the next song. Oh, this is a fap song. I this is a serious song. Waiting for my sugar to show. I've been listening to the sirens and the radios. be over three hours ago. I've been waiting for his car on not it's like a horny song but it's also still about this anxiety this anticipation like that vocal opening in the center that huge vocal opening just like it's like that feeling that waiting that anticipation that like is he gonna call isn't he gonna call is he gonna come is that the car like this i have that in me all the time also the greek um choir of women's guttural voices yes that's uh, what i'm talking her, about yes right? yeah kind of adding into the anxiety and also the, there's like a moan to oh oh there's like a moan to it so it's it's an a, ache. that mixture you yeah know, I, there's nothing more exciting there's nothing more exciting my, my, um kitty for my kitty friends and and kitty kitty girls when you have that new young love 
and you're still exploring their bodies like it has nothing's old it's all just new and fresh that's mm-hmm. what the song means to me it's like i'm anxiously waiting for this new person to show up and experience like i'm still in that experience phase where it's all fucking exciting and horny and confusing because like do they actually like me i think i'm falling are they mm-hmm. going to come and when it was er- and she also like it's lyrically cohesive too cuz she says you know that the the relationship had so much laughter so much spark like back to the beginning court and spark you know he's mm-hmm. looking for and it's it's all like there's this chronological element to a relationship evolving uh, on this album that is so devastating we're about to hit the apex of we are and we're 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 like getting real deep and you know quoting and just basically telling you verbatim what the lyrics are and then it's kind of like Mm -hmm. so she opened a door so you know that means she opened the door Um, (laughs) real deep real deep here babes and now we're getting to the song that changed my fucking life when i heard this song i thought the heavens opened up i thought i was really seeing god like yeah i just i couldn't believe it i had never you know i'm not very adventurous in in any in anything so when i heard this six minute song i just really thought like it was the greatest coolest most experimental uh thing ever That you held high and told yourself were true, lost or changing as the days come down to you, down to you, constant stranger. You're a kind person. You're a cold person too. It's down to you. You love it. You when Nick was listening to this album, he's like, "Ooh, girl, I found my thing." Uh, it's so sad. I mean, this is like the apex of the album because this is when the love falls apart. And also just where I am right now in this weird time in the world. And the, the song is called Down to You, you know, and it all comes all, it's the days come down to you. And now the you in this album has turned from the other to herself. You know, when it comes down to just you like we are right now and love is gone and it comes down to you constant stranger you know she's, like she's like that's, she's talking she does she's like you don't know i always think of it as her talking to herself you know me too or like the you universal you at large you know mm-hmm. like we're all constant strangers but it really also seems like she just kind of had like a one night stand or an affair and woke up and kind of was gathering her thoughts about what is this all go down to the yeah. pickup station craving warmth and beauty you settle for less than fascination a few drinks later you're not so choosy when the closing lights strip off of the shadows on this strange new flesh you found clutching the night to you like a fig leaf you hurry to the blackness and the blankets to lay down an impression and you're alone In the morning, there are lovers in the streets. They look so high. You brush against a stranger and you both apologize. I was obsessed uh, with the fact that we can be so intimate with people and at the same time, so much strangers that we just apologize for even touching. Mm. 
Yeah. That whole kind of, again, that whole dichotomy of what does it mean just to be a person in this world? And Mm. how are we going to react to each other? What human qualities are we going to bring? Because we, we, we have good and bad in, in us. Are, are we going to be lovers on the street or are we going to be strangers that we keep apologizing to? Hmm. Oh, I love it. I love this song. Especially so, this with is... how much we're apologizing to strangers right now for even being close or how much this whole situation right. we're in right now um, is alienating us from each in other. In the morning, there are lovers right. in the street. They look so high. You brush against a stranger and you both apologize. Old friends seem indifferent. You must have brought that on. Old bonds have broken down. Love is gone. Ooh, love is gone. Written on your spirit, this sad song. Love is gone. My second... Favorite thing is when it break is when the chorus breaks up and just electrifies your entire body out of mm. nowhere, just shocks you, and then goes into just like a beautiful piano segment. Mm. And and it's also as I feel like, and it, of course this song is like different for everybody, as all songs are, and any song as deep as Joni's are. It's like when you finally start when there's no one to go to but yourself and looking inward. That's musically when the whole fucking symphony comes into this song. It's not just that piano or just that guitar we've been hearing. It becomes horns and strings and timpanies and soaring pianos and those reeds start coming in at the end. You hear the clarinets and the oboes and she bring, she, you realize that when you go inward and you look at yourself, it's a, it's a whole symphony. It's not just one thing everymore. Like... Anymore, she contains everything. Everything comes and goes, pleasure moves on too early, and trouble leaves too slow. Just when you're thinking you finally got it made, bad news comes knocking at your garden gate. in my top three favorite songs of all time mm. I just this song changed my life I can really say I, can, I know exactly where I was I know exactly how I heard it and I just remember just vibrating so hard on this this specific song um, I love you Joni I love you for this song and then in classic Joni fashion what does she have to do after a breakup or what do we want to do we just want to run the fuck away and so where do, how do we do that in 1974? We get on a fucking train. Jump on that train. You like <laughs> this song. You were really digging I this song. I love this song. I love this song. Well, she does this thing 
Give Joni Mitchell the fucking Nobel Prize for Literature like you did Bob Dylan, please. Because she does this thing musically and lyrically. Like the song starts, it sounds like a train. And she is the train at the beginning. You know, she feels like a train. Behind the time Just like this train Shaking into time With the brakes complain I used to count lovers Like railroad cars I counted them on my side Lately I don't just let things slide The station master shuffling cars Boxcars are banging in the yards Jealous lava make you crazy If you can't find your goodness Cause you lost your heart And then she gets onto the train and you hear like what it's like on the train and who's there. And it's this amazing poetic device. And then she becomes I, the train. I went looking for a cause or a strong head without claws or any reason to I think I so I think so what we just went through we went through run through seven from court it starts at corn spark and then for me it ends at down to you and then the next four tracks are there's there's a shift. no it's I know I think it's a continuous story she <laughs> okay. love is okay. gone love is gone and so she gets on this train and she says she has sour grapes because she lost her heart I can't find my goodness This is the to explain how raised on robbery. Oh, I will tell you right now. I'll tell you. Ready for it? It's from I will a man's tell you. perspective. Tell I will me, t- tell me. I don't really think it's from a man's perspective, is it? No, it is. Okay. Yes. Okay. She's. It's not from a man's perspective, but she's. She's describing a man, right? But she's in a bar and she's looking at this man. Um, and she's, yes, it's girl. about it's about who she's talking to. I mean, I feel like she ran away, and then she's like fucking. And this also goes back to like a case of you in terms of like looking at a TV in a bar. He was sitting in the lounge of the Empire Hotel. He was drinking for diversion. He was thinking for himself. A little money riding on the main. 
You know? Well, see, so what I would read is that, like, what she lo- would love to do is just go and be alone and set up bars and write about people she saw. And to me, she saw this man and with like a, who's with, like, a con woman kind of, um, you know, on the skids kind of person. And so mm-hmm. she kind of wrote this, this, this encounter about what this encounter is. You know, after the breakup, and she went to wherever she is. She has this weird encounter. She describes this weird encounter. She, you know, they're drunk and they're telling their stories to some, you know, to this guy and hearing about it's this banger about you know where you can go next. That reckless like one night stand you can have after love is gone when you have your sour grapes. and I'll show you my best recipe. Mm-hmm. Yes, this song was also kind of a hit for her off this record. Mm-hmm. It's a banger. It's a it banger. Is. No. It, it jostles feel, up and down. And I feel like it, it's like that reckless period. It's that reckless period after a breakup, you know, when you're kind of behaving badly with a bad person and you just want to kind of wreck up your life a bit. you kind of spiral out like she says like you run down the highway and mm-hmm. you just like yeah you kind of get with the you kind of get with the bad boy to kind of like rejuvenate and kind of refigure out what life is about um if it's about anything at all and then after all of that chaos and all of that travel you go back to california and you have to like confront yourself as a trouble child Knowing your attitude 
your whole thing i always do imagine that she's truly talking to a child like she's kind of uh a comforting a, a real in my story a real child nick's shaking his head no girl he's like that is not the narrative here mama <laughs> go girl give it to me i just literally think she's breaking like i think she's in this place like up in a sterilized room makes me think of a hospital where they do what they open and close you they talk like they know you like she's breaking and she's she, this the civil war is still happening within herself and she describes it like animals you know the oh. dragon versus the lion and the peacock who's afraid to parade and there are all these things with inside her like this continuing thing like the I always think of the dragon shining with all values known, dazzling you, is that fame, that recognition, that money thing. And where is the lion to defy you when you're this weak and this spacey? It feels like she's almost recovering in an asylum, in a, a mental health clinic, and she's talking to herself about where she is, you know? So what are you gonna do about it? You can't live life and you can't I think for both Nick and I, this is the end of the album. She does an encore, which we'll talk about. But so if this is to us the end of the album, it's now her breaking like waves on Malibu. Mm-hmm. Like she couldn't let go of these passions and the things she wants, but it's also breaking her. She can't be understood. People keep talking like they know her, but they don't know her. They don't know me. Mm-hmm. They don't know you. So why does it come as such a shock to know you really have? Child breaking light, 
a river a of changing faces. I mean, this is why I don't think she's talking to a child because they trickle through your leaky plans. Like you have all these plans of trying to make your life and it's just an overwhelming, like this water imagery at the end of it that overwhelms and then you're lying in the same room. Like, why is this a shock to you? You know, it's... I also like that this song doesn't deal specifically at all with love or like a romantic no. kind of interest. The song uh, deviates from from kind of that and... Uh, and yeah, either turns into being um, being thoughtful to a real child or your inner child, mm. uh, and just kind of giving some condolences. That that's like it's a it's okay to to be this upset and to feel like you're just crashing, like you're just waves crashing on the beach. Yeah, like you're just broken, like you're breaking. And if you think of like breaking, like the waves at Malibu, you're breaking again and again. It's like a continuous breaking that's happening. And fuck, man. I low-key love any time Malibu is mentioned in songs. I've only been to Malibu like twice, so I don't know why. But like, um, you've been to Malibu so many times in BLL. In oh well, no, they don't, that's not Malibu, baby. Oh no, it's Monterey. It's they shot a lot Malibu. of it. They shot a lot of it in Malibu, though. But I mean, and that's I where all, and that's where Malibu. that's where Laura Jean Poon lives. Laura Jean Poon, does she? she? Yeah, she lives in Malibu. That's where she got pulled over for. Uh, reckless driving. That's also where I think Lady Gaga. A lot of celebs like got like gigantic. Well, they're doing fine. Fuck them. Thinking yeah. about rich people during this time gives I me anxiety. I, celebrities are really uh, fucking with my nerves. Like I follow Luke Evans on Instagram because he's a real snack daddy who can choke me anytime. Oh. And um, but like every day, posting your like amazing oceanside deck is not helping me out right now luke evans um sam smith did like a trip tech of him uh breaking down and crying and people were like a who took that photo who took that of you doing that <laughs> and b like why like you're in a mansion you live in a full mansion like we understand yeah. that it's hard for everyone but you're fine <laughs> like yeah you're fine we're all worried about it. And we are at the end of this album and we'll go out talking a little bit about this encore on this album. But, okay. Okay. Let's do it. But as we're, but yes. first as we're ending, we want to just remind y'all to stay safe and healthy yes. and with your time, just write reviews, make another persona on iTunes. If that can even be done, write another review and then give us another five stars and hit that smash that download button because it's all about us. This quarantine crisis time is all about us and divas and being a popular podcast because that's all that matters and um i know i said this um but i just want to read this quick thing about kind of why this album has meant so much to me throughout my life um and then we'll go out and talk about twisted yes please okay uh so um so i wrote this real quick uh while thinking about this um this album gives me hope it reminds me of my better, younger self, a person that was still in awe of the experience of finding something new, of touching into the possibility of life and being excited to find an artist who illuminates the amazing truth that things are complicated. When I listen to this album, I still get excited and I feel hope. I hope you find hope in the things you love the way I do with Court and Spark. Oh, that's beautiful, babe. Thanks, babe. 
So let's get twisted. Um, let's get twisted. This let's get little twisted. encore song we're going to go out on, Battle it's, Angels, is called Twisted. It's it, real fun. Bet it's our girl covers it. We love it. Yeah, Bet actually recorded it the year before Joni did in her signature kind of more vaudevillian style. And it fit. It really fit on Bet's album. Um, it's actually, yeah. Jo- this is what Joni says about this song. She goes, um, someone asked her, like, why did you why did you add this on this album? She goes, because I love that song. I have always loved that song. I went through analysis, an- analysis for a while this year, and the song is about... Am I saying that word right? Analysis? Analysis, yeah. Um, I fig- Analysis. I figured that I earned the right to sing it. I tried to put it on my last record, For the Roses, but it was totally inappropriate. It had nothing <laughs> to do with the time period, and some of my friends feel it has nothing to do with this album either. It's added like an encore. And I say, yes, ma'am. I I think I think it does have to do, again, with me finding the whole arc of this. You know, if we go back to people's parties and she says she wishes she had a sense of humor, after hmm. everything she's gone through, she finds it at the end of this album and she's moving into jazz musically and she's moving, she's embracing right. her own insanity that she's just broken in her mental hospital in Trouble Child. And she's losing her form and she's changing her form in her life. And she's feeling like she's twisting and she has her sense of humor. And it's just like a celebration to me at the end of this gut-wrenching album. I, I, I totally agree. It's, it's, a nice, it's a nice kind of breather respite. Uh, I used to hate it. Growing up, I used to hate it. I used to hate that that song was on there and I always skip it. Because uh, <laughs> it just was like, that's not, that's not the story. That's not how this, that's not the capsulation. And it sounds like some of her friends did too. But no, I'm I with really her. I understand. I, I understand really you, Joni. It. I love you, Roberta Joan Anderson of Alberta, Canada. Thank you for this album and all these great albums. Dive into some Joni while you're at home oh, in I the also- coming weeks. And I know that um, we, we could say this about anything, but this is a great walking album. This is just a great contemplative mm. walking album that is mm-hmm. really sonically uh, together and can, can take you on a nice little 45-minute space to yourself. So consider that, too. Absolutely. Have a safe week, Battle Angels. We love you. We love you. We're here. We love you. Get twisted. Twist up. Bye, babies. Bye. Mindless told me. That I was right out of my head The way he described it He said I'd be better dead than alive I didn't listen to his jive I knew all along That he was all wrong And I knew that he thought I was crazy but I'm not Don't know My analyst told me That I was right out of my head He said I'd need treatment But I'm not that easily led He said I was the type that was most inclined Went out of his sight to be out of my mind And he thought I was nuts No more ifs or ands or buts They say as a child I appeared a little bit wild With all my crazy ideas But I knew what was happening I knew I was a genius What's so strange when you know that you're a wizard at three? I knew that this was meant to be. Now I heard little children were supposed to sleep tight. That's why I got into the vodka one night. My parents got frantic, didn't know what to do. But I saw some crazy scenes before I came to now. Do you think I was crazy? I may have been only three, but I was swinging. They all have been angry young men They all have been Edison and also at Einstein 
should I feel sorry if they just couldn't understand the idiomatic logic that went on in my head? I had a brain, it was insane, oh, they used to laugh at me when I refused to ride on all those double-decker buses, all because there was no driver on the top. What, no driver on the top? My analyst told me that I was right out of my head, but I said, dear doctor, I think that it's you instead, because I have got a thing that's unique and new, to prove that I'll have the last laugh on you, because instead of one head, I got two, and you know two heads are better than 